Outrocast. Andreas, how's your day going aside from having to talk to media people like me? <laughs> it was going well so far. <laughs> yeah, you never know when you're talking to an artist if they don't love journalists or they go, this is a substitute for therapy that I'm just going to talk out all of my stuff and it's cheaper than paying a therapist. So it yeah, kind of, never it's kind of like that way maybe because uh, you you um, almost always ask questions that you don't ask yourself. So <laughs> it's kind of like that. Well, I'm going to do what I can to ask a few questions you're not regularly asked, but otherwise I'm going to celebrate and compliment you a lot. Is that okay? That's fine with me. Thank you. <laughs> okay. So you are headlining Carnegie Hall. That you know, you can play Madison Square Garden, but not necessarily be ready to play Carnegie Hall. Is there a lot of special preparation needed for you to do that show? Yeah, I think I think um, one one is going to take it very seriously. It's it's a it's a it's a very important venue. It has this lot of history. It's not easy to get there. Um, I think you mostly pre prepare uh, um, trying to to show. Um, a career that may allow you to get inside. So it, 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 it's very, really many, many years trying to get there. And when we finally had the opportunity, obviously we we, we enjoyed that very much. I'm very happy to come back. And I think, um, yeah, yeah, maybe you can do bigger venues, but this it has an, an artistic importance that that it is very nice to have in your, in your, in, in your personal history, you know? on your CV, on your history, on your Wikipedia, all those things. And yeah. you know, the compliments are gonna continue. Uh, most artists, when they're playing live, they go, I have only four hit songs. So I'm gonna mm -hmm. spread that along the set list to keep people <laughs> interested. In your case, I think there's something like 27 number one hits. And that doesn't count all the songs that didn't make it to number one, mm -hmm. but still hits. So. What is your performance at Carnegie Hall going to look like? Are you doing the hits? Are you doing the obscure stuff? A mix? Uh, I think it's a balance of of, of 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 those because you have to make sure that people are going to find the songs you are they're they're expecting, they're waiting for. They they maybe be waiting for a couple of years to hear this particular song, and you try to please them, but you also have have to try to find the way or the space to show them new stuff. So the, the ideal uh, would be that he went to the show, enjoyed his favorite songs, and maybe discovered a new one he hadn't heard, heard before. So you try to do that balance, and you try to make everybody happy, which is not easy at all. But yeah. uh, you, 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 you have to showcase some of the of, of your of your new new work and you have to be um to, to make sure that it's an honest proposal that you are really showing what you like the best and that may help you get to them yeah well with carnegie hall one of the the last concerts i saw maybe the last concert i saw was the beach boys there mm -hmm. and the beach boys at carnegie hall is very different they can't do as many of the tricks they can't do the props there's no costume changes you can't leave the stage for a fake encore because there's an orchestra behind you all the tricks are gone it's like an mtv unplugged so when's the yeah. last time you did a show like this where you went okay this is all about the music and the performance i can't uh have pyrotechnics and smoke bombs and dancers and all that. Definitely, the last time I I, I played Carnegie Hall, um, it 
it was the first show of our last tour. Was the first day. So um, we we got there and we discovered that we have to make it work just with the instruments. And in that case, it was a grand piano, an upright bass, a couple of horns, and a uh, and a jazz guitar. So um, that was it. And um, that first show kind of determined how the rest of the shows were gonna be. So we got used in, to working in, in, in such a very uh, down-to-earth, simple, organic way and make it work that way. And we found that that, that was the most um, effective thing to do, not to rely at all in, in, in many other stuff. We had nice lights, of course, we had a great sound, but the thing was about the music and the storytelling of, 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 of these songs. Uh, so I took the time to talk to tell people about this, this song, the other, how it came to me, uh, what do I remember when I sing it and that kind of stuff. And it made up for a very nice show, which I took in, on, on tour exactly the way that I did it the first night at Carnegie. So that determined a lot of what, what, what came after. This time is going to be a little bit different. Mm -hmm. uh, although I'm, gonna, I'm not, I'm not going to have neither the props nor the... the, the the, the special effects or anything, but I'm gonna <laughs> take it a notch higher. I'm gonna. This is a, a, a different setup. This is about drums, two electric guitars, keyboards, and bass, and a little bit of percussion. So it's 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 louder. Uh, it it has much much more and a lot more energy to it, and it's more oriented to this pop rock uh, side of my music. So um, it's, it's gonna be a, a different experience, but again. I have to be able to work with with what I got right there and I have to respect the room as much as I can. Another thing that impresses me about your tour, which plays other excellent theaters and venues, is how many nights in a row you're singing. A lot of singers, once they hit a certain level, start and go, I'm not singing more than two nights in a row. My throat mm -hmm. can't handle it. If you look at Aerosmith's tour routing, rarely are there three shows in a week. Yep. You yeah. you have uh, four nights in a row at one point in time. So, are you doing a lot of vocal care? Do you have meticulous vocal warm ups before you go on stage? Yeah, I, I learned to do that, especially the last four or five years. I I was doing musical theater. That's one of my of, of my formats that includes. Um, it's it's like a, yeah, it's it's mostly like like a musical. I, have, I I play my songs and with the help of two other actors. We 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 dramatize about the song and how it came to us and and I tell some stories around it and I got used to do uh, six nine uh, three single shows and two doubles a week so uh, that was very hard work and I had to to get a vocal coach who taught me a lot of interesting stuff and and helped me do this kind of. Uh, <laughs> rampage <laughs> better so i've learned to take care of my voice and i am very meticulous with my warm-ups and uh, i try to get as much and as better uh, sleep time as i can and I, I think that's one of the of the things you have to definitely sleep very well got it so after this tour wraps in early may uh do you know what you're doing do you know where you're going or do you get a little time off I'm gonna have a couple of weeks off, but um, at that time I would have finished my album, which is gonna be recording through February. And when that kind of time comes, it's gonna be about to be released. So I'm gonna work a little bit on that. And on the on July and August, I'm gonna to be touring again, but in Europe. 
And at the end of the year, I'm going to go back to Colombia and tour my country. That's wonderful. So are you making the album in Colombia? No, I'm recording in LA. I pre-produced everything here in Bogota, but I'm working in LA um, three weeks since uh, since the 9th. I'm going to be there uh, re recording a whole album, uh, the old-fashioned way with all the musicians in the studio, uh, three day, three weeks of recording and then editing and, and then to the mix. Like like the old, the old days, I was kind of missing that. Instead of doing single by single with different producers, I mm -hmm. was missing this whole album concept. Do you do pre-production and demos when you're making an album? <laughs> yeah, and I usually like them a lot. My wife, my my wife collects them. She prefers the demos from the records. So so yeah, and I, I at least it, it, it helps me uh, visualize and understand what's going on with the song and where can it be going. And uh, it, it makes me see right away if it's going to suit me or not. Hmm. Okay. Three more questions and then I'm going to let you go. And hopefully these are easy questions for you. But okay. I want to learn more about you because all I know are the hits. All I know are <laughs> the accolades and the success. I don't know much about the dude. So the first okay. thing is, what's the first concert that you went to as a fan? Mm, let me see. The first concert I went to as a fan, mm, that would have been, um, yeah, I remember. Uh, there's a very big band in Latin America who is, who, 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 that's over now, but um, it's called Soda Stereo. Probably the first concert I attended was a Soda Stereo concert in a very small venue here in Bogota. It was just in, in their beginnings, and I had the privilege to see the, the stage of their career. Um, before they went really, really big. And that inspired me to make music too. Uh, I, I started going to other shows and other, on, 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 on concerts and I got it more and more attractive to, to, make, to have my own band. I must have been maybe 12, 13 years old when mm -hmm. I went to that first show. Wow, okay, next question. When it comes to touring the United States, it's very different from everywhere else in yeah. a lot of different ways. It's a bigger country than a lot of other places. What was the most uh, difficult thing for you to get used to in touring the United States? Now that you've done it many times, but what was the hardest part at first for you? The first times we, we were mostly traveling, uh, uh, we were on the road uh, by bus and uh, certain parts, parts of the country start to look very alike so you, you you kind of feel that you're going in circles because the next town is so much like the last one you were in and yeah. the hotel if, if, if it's this um, how do you call a brand of hotels that's everywhere that yeah you you got, got, have the feeling that you're sleeping every night in the same room it's it's it's, it's kind of crazy and that's the, the, the first thing i felt and that was kind of weird but i, I got used to it Got it. Yeah, a lot of the United States does look the same. And especially when you're in a, you know, you go hotel, venue, bus, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. And, 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 and if it's a long, plain road, yeah, well, you know. <laughs> exactly. Well, last thing I'm curious about, you've also found success in television because you did a dozen or so seasons on The Voice in Colombia, La Voz, yep. if I'm saying that correctly. Yep. When did you know that there was going to be more to your career than just sing the song, write the song, perform the song, but rather writing for other artists. 
performing on television. When did you realize that you weren't just singer songwriter guy? Uh, I just got invited and, and I gave it a chance because uh, it, it never went through my head that I would be doing TV, for example. So um, I, I was invited. I was very scared at the beginning. I was, I was not feeling very sure about it. And uh, I gave it a chance. I saw the show that was being aired in other countries, in Spain, for example, or in, or, or in Britain. And, and I, I thought it was a nice show and it was respectful with, with, his, with its contestants. And it had a nice art level, and the 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 coaches were really good musicians. People I admired. So I, I said, let's give it a chance, and it went well. I found uh, something I really liked. I I I enjoyed the show a lot. I like working with kids. I enjoy being with other artists and competing, sort of, sort of, but it's not really a a competition. But um. I, I have had fun, and people in my country have had the they had the chance to know me in a different way. Um, I tend to be very authentic on in, in mm -hmm. my job in TV, so people have enjoyed that. Well, I'm inspired right now. Sounds like I should watch Lavos when I can. <laughs> but uh, I'm looking forward to your Carnegie Hall show. Looking forward to what's to come from you, your new album, and all that. And I think you've just inspired me. I've only been to Cartagena. I've not been to Bogota yet. Okay. I think I have to go to Bogota. I think I'm going to ask around to find out where are the places that Andreas likes to go. And that's where I'm going to go. But this is the, your house. Whenever you want to be, want, want to come over, this is your house. Okay. <laughs> well, bottom line is congrats on the many years of success and really looking forward to what's to come in your artistic career. Okay. Hope to see you soon. Hope to meet you. Uh, it was nice to meet you in, at, at Carnegie if you got the time. Outrocast. Monica, Rebecca, pleasure to be speaking with you both again. I'll throw the first one to Rebecca. Uh, sad that the show is ending, but how much of this final season did you have in mind when you started writing it? When I started writing the show three years ago or started writing season uh, three? Writing the show uh, three years ago. Oh, did you yeah. know how it was going to end and where it was going to go? Not entirely, but I definitely had big sort of like archetypal moves in my mind for most of the main characters. So um, I think, and I think those all pretty much held, you know, I think, I I think of writing as very sort of mathematical. There's, you know, sure. top, like things have a geometry, I guess you'd say. So I kind of knew how things would who would end up on top and bottom and that kind of thing. So that ended up mostly holding, I would say. Well, on that same topic, Monica, fantastic work that you've done throughout the series. That is a compliment. There's no but or, you know, clickbait <laughs> kind of thing. Thank you. How much did you know about where it was heading towards season three at the beginning of the show? I, I don't know anything. As an, as an actor, you know, I'm, I'm, I read the scripts when they're ready to be read. So I had no idea how this would go. Um, it was just so it's as exciting for me as it is for the viewer because I was learning as Rebecca, you know, was ready to share the stories with us. It's so fun not knowing the end. Like there, there's no way to other way to do it as an actor. Like it's it's important for me to be surprised. It's important for me to not judge the character mm. um, and and not quite know where this goes so that I can explore every possibility as the actor. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. So you, like us, were finding out about the season pickups when they were happening. 
Oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> it may be like, like a few minutes before you, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, we gave her time to read the script. She yeah. wasn't like, we, we, they give me time to like take a few photos yeah. <laughs> in front of the new billboard. Yeah. A bottom line is Monica does the work and Rebecca, you know, looking back on an acclaimed show like this, for some people that they would hang their hat on that and the rest of the life uh, they would, you would see them at the bar and they'd be like, you know, I made Hightown. No, not you. You're not sitting <laughs> yeah. on your laurels. Are we allowed to know what's next for you? Or is it all Hightown forever, the Hightown cruise, et cetera? <laughs> um, no, I have, a, I have a couple things in the hopper. But um, the one that I'm allowed to talk about is a new show for stars called The Hunting Wives. It takes place, it's based on a novel of the same name, it takes place in Texas. And we're going to be shooting that this year. So I'm very excited. Wow. Shooting in Texas? Uh, no, actually. These days, you never know where the thing is filmed. Here in Long yeah. Beach, Long Island, sometimes they film here and they say it's Massachusetts. Sometimes it's Florida. Sometimes it's yes. Utah. You never know. So <laughs> yeah. I'm looking forward to that. And Monica, are we allowed to know what's next? Or is it you have to wait for the Hollywood Reporter embargo <laughs> lift? <laughs> the embargo lift. Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a few things happening. Um, but right now, I'm excited to keep working with stars um, in as a director i'm directing raising canaan coming up i'm doing um another power power force and i'm excited to stay in that lionsgate family um yeah so i'm trying to do a little bit more directing as well as um hopefully maybe developing down the road and i'd love to keep acting in tv series and features okay so follow up <laughs> to, to that as somebody who has the pleasure of doing all the power junkets do you have a favorite book of power is it the raising canaan I think so. I think so. Mostly because I'm I'm like such a geek for period pieces. Um, and so I love that era and and I'm excited to play in that era. I've never done anything um, in that location in New York or in that era. So I'm excited for Raising Canaan. And the last question, the last word goes to Rebecca. Do you get to vacation anytime soon or is this yeah. stars just keep you busy all the time and no vacations? Uh, well, I just got my passport renewed after not having a passport for a few years. So yes, hopefully I will get to go out of the country or out of town, um, but I'll, I'm gonna be busy for a little while. Um, but don't worry, I have a great life and don't don't you worry about me. She's in high demand, okay? <laughs> She's not gonna be taking a vacation for the you next 15 are. years. <laughs> you both are. Well, the bottom line, thank you for your time. Congrats on the new season. Congrats on the series and looking forward to everything that's to come from both of you. Thank, thank you. you. Diego, how is your day going aside from answering the same questions over and over and over again? <laughs> it's good. It's good. Uh, you know, just sipping some coffee in this coffee mug my girlfriend got me right here. <laughs> uh, but it's good. Yeah. I'm excited to have the movie come out January 26th. So, you know, you is, there, is there coffee in the coffee cup or because it's late in the day, has it gone to water? I, you know, I actually just, I just finished it all. I just drank it all, but it was so good. My girlfriend makes the best coffee. I actually wasn't a coffee guy. My girlfriend turned me into a coffee guy. Really? What were you before then? An energy drink person? No, no, nothing, nothing, nothing. Maybe like black tea occasionally. So you're but yeah, absolutely I, I, I like to like not be dependent on anything. Um, but it's safe to say I'm I'm pretty dependent on coffee now. <laughs> yeah, I I wish I could go back to the days when I didn't need water or energy drinks. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> We're here to talk about Bad Hombres. Uh, when did you actually film Bad Hombres? Uh, great question. We shot this movie uh, February 2021, all, all of February. 
It was a one-month shoot, I believe. Wow. So that was back when people didn't know how to make movies in the midst of COVID. <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 yeah. We had the mask. We had all of that stuff. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Wow. So every day, the on-site swab up your nose kind of situation? Yeah, yeah. And every day, everybody was scared. They were like, shit, am I going to get it? Are we going to cancel production? They were like, don't go out. Don't go to the, the store to buy that. Stay in your uh, hotel. Um, yeah. Well, yourself included, it is a great cast. A lot of films, they just have two or three people you recognize. This film has at least seven. And had you worked with any of the people before? Because Thomas Jane, there's a Hemsworth. I've, I've never worked with, uh, no, it's safe to say, I, I've, I've never worked with any one of them prior to that film. But I was very aware of their, uh, I guess, uh presence in cinema right i grew up watching their movies uh and, and tv shows obviously fast and the furious obviously the punisher uh, one tree hill paul johansson queen of the south hemke madera um so i was aware i was very aware i think the one where i I've probably fanboyed the most is probably working with nick cassavetes obviously director of the notebook john q alpha dog one of my favorite movies of all time um you know it was uh such a surreal moment and uh and and I think hopefully I didn't fanboy too hard when I asked for that selfie with him. Uh, but uh, I would like to definitely work with with him again, along with uh, John Stahlberg. John Stahlberg just, he knows everything and anything about cinema. And uh, I definitely want to collaborate with him again as well. Not just the director also wrote the story for the film. That's kind of a rare thing these days, but the director also comes up the story. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Amazing writer. So you mentioned 2021 is when you filmed this and on my block was also ending in 2021. So did you go straight from one to the other? Oh, shoot. You know what? I meant 2022. I'm sorry. It was oh, okay. I, I get I get my dates mixed up. Yeah. So I, I wrapped up on my block uh, and then I went to Budapest to shoot Knights of the Zodiac. And then right when I came back, I had like a couple weeks off and then I went into uh, production for, for Bad Hombres in 2022. Yeah, that's right. Man, time flies by. I forgot it's 2024. 2021, 2022, they could be super lumped in together in some yeah. like, We remember 2020 distinctly. I think we yeah. remember 2023. But those two years, you're not wrong right there. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, thank you for, for catching me on that. Um, yeah, we it, it was uh yeah, it was a hectic ride, right? With everything. I, I tell you know, I teach an online acting studio called the Actors Campus, and I tell all my actors inside of there, I'm like, guys undeniably to the, uh, the 20s of this of this century have been the most difficult for an actor i mean mm -hmm. we're talking pandemic covid mask mandates all of this stuff on set that interacts and interferes with the craft and, and the ability to work and then you get the writer strike you get the freaking actor strike there was so much that got that got thrown our way so i tell everybody i'm like if, you, if we can survive all of that if we've made it past all of that as actors we're we're uh, we're gonna be okay for the next 10 years you left out two big ones right there. Uh, movie theaters nearly crumbling because everything went to on-demand. And I think we've seen like three or four streamers rise and fall within the last yeah. five years. You remember Quibi? I do, actually. Yeah, but it was like the short-form movies, right? And then silently, like, Roku bought that catalog for a couple of dollars. And people don't realize those are the Quibi shows. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, man. It's It's been uh, been an interesting decade in cinema in Hollywood. Well, that ties into something that I'm curious about. 
because nowadays everything is back to the theaters or it's mm -hmm. a limited theater thing and then it goes to on demand and digital. Mm -hmm. In this case, when you were making Bad Hombres, did you have any sense of this is a streamer, this is a limited theater kind of thing? Oh, that's a great question. You know, I, I truly, I didn't even ask, and maybe it's a good thing, maybe it's a bad thing, right? I was just so excited to work with the talent, and John was so passionate about it that I was like, man, this guy has a vision. I, I want to be a part of this vision. He's the captain of the ship. Let me be the right-hand man on this on this ship. And uh, nevertheless, the goal remains the same, right? To give a authentic performance and bring it to life and, and to honor the story and honor the truth. So uh, truthfully, I didn't even think about that. But, you know, as the day approaches... I'm sure that uh, I believe that we can watch the movie on, uh, yeah, like you said, uh, Amazon ha will have it. Apple TV will have it. You could buy it or rent it there. And, uh, and then some theaters too will have it. So exactly yeah. in theaters and on demand, I think it's January 26th and then DVD six or so weeks later. But anyway, yeah. it's a new movie to us. It's an old movie to you. You are a working actor and teacher. Are we allowed to know what's next? Or do we have to wait for the Hollywood reporter to say so? Oh, no, no. So right now, um, you know, like I mentioned, I have a 100% online acting studio where I'm teaching anybody and everybody how to essentially do what I've done, right? At the most cost-effective uh, uh, rate, at the uh, the safest and clearest way. And hands-on, I teach it, right? Everything there is, I teach it. Um, but, you know, again, human beings have been human beings since the beginning of time. And I think that social interaction in person is something that we not only crave as, as human beings, but especially as artists. So my next goal right now is to open up an in-person acting studio uh, in my hometown or maybe in Orange County, maybe in LA. We'll see what happens. Um, and then on top of that, I'm also working on a, a boxing movie production and a horror film production. So we're in the final stages of writing those. And we got a great team attached. And now the next stage is just going to be uh, getting onto the set, filming those two bad boys, and then bringing them to life. Is that hometown Cleveland or is that a Wikipedia lie? No, it's a, that's a, I, I saw that as well. No, I, it's, uh, I, my hometown is uh, Corona, California. Oh, yeah. But you're totally a West Coast person. We didn't start the coronavirus though. <laughs> how, how, who, why do they think you're an Ohio person? I don't know. I saw that as well. My, I think it was my IMDb or my Wikipedia. I was like, Ohio. I was like, that's new. Yeah. You're a wish. That'd be pretty cool. There you go. And uh, the last, point of curiosity i have before i let you go is obviously you're focused on the craft because you're not just on camera but you're teaching the next generations yeah. of performers but when you're not doing all that what's the number two passion because these days actors are not just actors you usually yeah. find that they're budding entrepreneurs singer songwriters yeah. etc is there yeah. another thing from you diego oh man i wish i was talented enough to be singing and writing music uh no I, I mean i think uh when i'm not working on a set and when i'm not teaching i just like to hang out with my girlfriend my family you know my day ones hang out uh maybe hit the gym go to jujitsu hit, hit the boxing gym um just to stay activated stay stay out of trouble you know i think uh something that i struggle with at least is like if i'm not constantly occupied with something i'm you know getting into a little bit of trouble and uh that's the last thing i want to do for my career man i mean my parents didn't come this far just so I can do a couple films and projects and then blow it. So I, I'm just trying to stay focused. I think that's half the battle, like Muhammad Ali says. Because mm -hmm. like, half the battle is just staying out of you know this place and that place and out of this and that. Um, so just trying to take the advice from the greats and, and hopefully become one of the greats. So you just quoted Muhammad Ali. 
you mentioned a boxing movie being in project in process for you and boxing being one of the hobbies. So in other words, it's not going to be a crappy boxing film made by non-boxing people. <laughs> it's going to be a Hell legit no. one. Well, we got we got a very legit project here. And uh, I'm only going to make it if we, get, if we get the right people, the right team, the right budget, all of that stuff. I'd do the movie for free. I'm not in this game to make money, really. At the, I'm not in this game to, like, make a big buck, cash out, and then screw the movie. It turns out bad. I, I want to make the best possible movies. Money comes and goes if, if you're passionate and if you're true to your work. But, uh, but again, if you're not true and passionate about your work, then you're going to get shitty work and no one's going to want to watch it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's, that's just the raw truth, right? Outro cast. question i have is what do i call you kelly killer kelly double k what do you like to be called whatever you want it can be kelly everyone calls me kelly yeah so whatever you want whatever you prefer <laughs> i'm calling you kelly uh you had a great match at hard to kill sorry it did not end up the way that you wanted but that was a pretty long-running championship run you had 182 days yeah not the only championship run you've ever had but your first u.s based championship run did yeah. that change your life in any way yeah it was really really special and it was even better being like uh impact world title it, it wasn't just a random promotion my first uh a big u.s uh title it was impact so it was it's a huge deal and i'll hold it very very dearly to my heart yeah so it was part of the show where the world saw that it was tna again every surprise appearance got a lot of headlines so it was a big show a lot of people saw how much of what and i i don't need spoilers but how much of the surprises did you know in advance of the people going through the curtain none it, i literally i was backstage and i saw nick i was like what the hell is he doing here oh my god he's he, is he about to do a run in so that was crazy. And I randomly saw Ash just walking backstage. I was like, oh, my God, what is happening tonight? <laughs> this is crazy. Like, I didn't even know I had a match as well. So it was a big a day full of surprises. Right. So there's new blood to the roster in a good way. Mm -hmm. Is MK Ultra over? Are you going the singles route? Any idea? Uh, MK Ultra is never over. MK Ultra is forever. Forever. <laughs> Now, that's one of the greatest tag team names ever. When did you kind of realize that your initials spelled that out? Uh, to be perfectly honest, um, so it was a friend of Masha that actually helped out with the name. And only when he said that, that we were like, oh, yeah, Masha and Kelly. Oh, <laughs> it makes all the sense in the world. So it's like a perfect name with everything. Everything is just the perfect. It just suits us so well. So long term, do you want to be a tag team competitor or are you happy switching it up where sometimes you're the star of the match? Uh, I do love being in MK Ultra. It is uh, I've I have this is the most fulfilling 
fulfilling I've ever felt in my career. And me and Masha, we're such a good pair. And the chemistry is undeniable. It, we work so well as a team. You can see it in ring. You can see videos that we make, the photos that we take. We are just uh, a tag team through and through. And uh, we have another goal. Like we were the longest reigning um, impact tag team champions, 182 days. So now our goal is to be the longest reigning uh, TNA. So we need to recapture those titles and make history once again. I hope that happens. And going back to this, this is something I have no idea about. Growing up in Portugal, what yeah. exposure did you have to TNA wrestling? Was it on a, a normal network? Uh, it actually wasn't. I The exposure that I had was um, um, some friends had some VHSs and then later on DVDs. Uh, and I started watching and I was like, oh my God, this is, this is crazy. Uh, literally my, my first exposure was Gail Kim. So I was used to seeing her on WWE television. And then I saw her on TNA. I was like, oh my God, she, she's here. Oh my God. I have to watch this. This is crazy. This is amazing. And then I got introduced to the beautiful people. I was like, oh my God, I absolutely love this. This is, this is amazing. And now I'm part of TNA. <laughs> This is a compliment more than a question, but Impact or TNA, whatever it's been called, has always been the top destination for women's wrestling. Yeah. No one has ever said, hey, book the women better. No one has ever said that about Impact or TNA. Nope. Nope. It is it is a, a great division. And we are treated like the athlete, athletes and performers that we are. And there's a lot of belief in us and trust in us. And we keep delivering. So that's right. why we have the spots that we have. We're one of the, the greatest women's divisions. My opinion, the greatest. But uh, back to you here. What exposure did you have to the United States before moving here for wrestling in general? Had you been here on vacation or were you just thrown to the lions and had to learn everything trial by fire? Uh, so um, actually one of my first exposures was a little bit before the Mayan Classic. So I came here for a little bit. So that was the max. And I was in Maryland. So it was more like country than anything else. So that was my first exposure. And then I came over to Orlando for the Mayan Classic. I was like, oh my God, okay, this is America. And then the pandemic happened and I finally moved here. And it's it's quite different from Europe. It is very very different <laughs> i heard and you'll tell me if i'm totally wrong and ignorant but i heard that there's a part of orlando where you could speak portuguese and yes it's brazilian portuguese but you could get by just speaking portuguese in one random part of orlando is that true um uh i have heard of it i haven't been to that area but every now and then i go to stores and stuff like that and i hear a lot of brazil a uh, uh, portuguese brazilian uh, so there's a lot of people from Brazil here, a lot. <laughs> and we love them, of course. Great. Of course. Of course. So back to you here again. What's life like for you outside of wrestling? Because a lot of the TNA roster, uh, they have a solo album, they act, they have a <laughs> blog, etc. What's your life like? Oh my God, I am boring as they come. <laughs> I absolutely love being at 
home with my cats, not doing anything and just watching all the movies and all the shows. And that I have a quite boring life and I enjoy it. <laughs> so you stay out of trouble on purpose. Yes, yes. Uh, not on purpose. It's just the, the way I prefer it. <laughs> the last people I see, the better. <laughs> That's good to hear. So any goals long-term in TNA besides recapturing the Knockouts Championships? Well, it's to recapture, to become the longest champions and, you know, just be part of history, just be part of matches that haven't happened yet. Like me and Masha with the dog collar match, it, we made history. Uh, we made history as champions. Uh, now it, it's all about uh, making memories. That's that's what I want. And TNA, it's the perfect place to do it. So, and I'm pretty sure we're going to get more opportunities. And uh, one of my other goals is once we recapture those titles, to defend them all around the world. That is my goal, to go to Japan, to go to Germany, mm -hmm. to to go everywhere mexico and just defend those titles and just you know bring uh even more eyes to the tna product and to the knockouts division right and in terms of tna every time you speak to the wrestlers you have to get the rundown on what shows are coming up next because you were just in las vegas but where are we going to see you next or or orlando is on the Orlando, up yes my it's just uh, across the street <laughs> they're going to be in orlando uh and uh i'm telling canada? you in canada we're gonna go to new orleans uh we're gonna go back to philly i'm really excited um and uh many other places to come to be determined <laughs> okay so the last two questions before i let you go the first one is you mentioned personally being a boring person on purpose any tv recommendations you could pass along a show that we should watch because killer kelly says it's awesome Mindhunter. Mindhunter is one of the best shows that I've ever seen in like a five year, 10 year span. Like everyone talks about, I don't know, Breaking Bad, uh, Game of Thrones, uh, Stranger Things. Mindhunter is one of the best shows I've ever seen in my life. And I really hope they bring it for season three. They were saying that they weren't and now there's talks to that they are actually bring it back. Like, it's one of the best shows. The best. Yeah. You know, as you can see, like, I have a huge love for, you know, all things serial killers. <laughs> just uh, just so just so you see uh, on my coffee table right here. Sure. And uh, so it's it's not just a gimmick. You So th this is a compliment. A you turned a hobby into a career. <laughs> yes, I did. So you're the nicest serial killer around. That's what we're learning. Yes. <laughs> and the last thing before I let you go, you know, some people don't keep up all the social media accounts. They go, hey, I'm an Instagram person. I won't do yeah. the others or I do the TikTok. What's the best way to follow you anytime we want to know where you are and what we should know? So on Twitter, I'm Kelly underscore WP. On Instagram, I'm Kelly Wrestling. Uh, on Facebook, I think I'm Kelly Wrestling as well. Uh, and on X, on X, on, um, oh my God, Threads, yeah. I am Kelly Wrestling, uh, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> and, uh, and of course you need to follow, uh, TNA Wrestling on all the social media. It's Impact Wrestling, uh, on every single social media. And, uh, then you'll know where 
and when MK Ultra will pop up. How's your day going aside from being on the road in Germany and all that kind of stuff? Uh, my day has very been very long. I got up at half past two this morning in order to make a flight because the flight I was managing was cancelled because the weather and the blah, 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 blah. Anyway, I'm fine. And you've got a new record coming out in the States here in about a week and a half. When did you actually finish the Unbroken album? Last summer uh, at some point. Yeah, seems a long time ago now. Right, the lead time between. But, but, but basically, you know, if you want to release an album, there there are windows for bands like us to release album. You know, one is beginning of the autumn touring season, like release it in the end of August, beginning of September, which we often do. Then you need you need to finish it by the beginning of March, or or January, in which case you definitely need to finish it by August. You know what I mean? It's like the queue. I think it's partly the queues at the vinyl factories, apart from anything else. Yes. Yeah, the the resources, the paper and the plastic and all that stuff. And, and promo. I finished that straight. I didn't listen to it for ages. And then just recently, I've listened to it again. Um, anyway, yeah, it's coming out. We're looking forward to... We haven't actually sort of worked out... We haven't sort of got ourselves together around the, you know, the idea of the tour yet, but we're meeting up on Monday and then we'll start working on it. Great. Well, it's the follow-up to your up from what? 2019 from here, and that charted well in the UK and Germany. So there was demand for another new model Army album, and that's a compliment, not a question. Thank you very much. I guess there's a thing we never even consider. Demand is from us. I mean, <laughs> we want to do one. You know, we're sort of aware there's an audience out there, but... Um, We've never really, uh, in fact, quite the opposite, you know, in terms of trying to sort of reach an audience or please an audience. Or if anything, we sort of, our instinct is always to go the other way. Um, you know, I, I, people ask me sometimes, you know, in the early 90s, we were we were on the edge of becoming quite a big band, at least in Europe. And... Uh, and it never really happened. We, you know, we don't. We're not doing arenas and big and stadiums and stuff. Um, and people say, you know, what went wrong? Well, I can think of loads of things that went that we did wrong, but to us they were right. It was like, you know, if any song threatened to become bigger than the band, our our, our response was to stop playing it. You know, the idea that you should give your audience what they want is a sort of sort of we just can't think like that it, it's it's not how we are in our dna you know you know that thing you have to do is give the play the hits you know get unite the big audience everybody say yeah yeah it's not us you know what i mean we we just make music that we think is great and that's it and and all the rest of the shenanigans you know i'm doing we're doing promo in the sense that i'm talking to you and and sort of uh so we do that but but the idea of that you know we're in a a marketplace trying to sell something um and there's lots of other things being sold it never really crosses our minds you know but you accidentally do have hit songs meaning there are some songs that are treated like whether you're in a large club or a theater or a festival, 
they're like anthems. So at this point in time, there's probably 10 songs that if you don't play them live, people go, oh, that's a bummer. They didn't play that. And how many bands have 10 songs that the audience demands to hear? We know we've got sort of 10, 12 big songs. We know we ought to play two of them. You know, which which two is kind of up to us. You know, I think it's really important that for a band. It would be, it's a death to, to have songs that you have to play. I, you know, there's some songs that we loved playing. Here Comes the War we played for years. Green and Grey we played for years. And there did come the day when we went, I'm not feeling this song anymore. So the answer is stop playing it. And then you leave it for three years or something, and then you play it again. You go, wow, I love this again. Fair fair assessment. So, And, and you know, uh, 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 the, the audience, yeah, the, the, the audience that wanted to hear the hits of their youth, they stopped coming to see us years ago, which is why we're not a you know a big band. Um, uh, they stopped coming because we don't do that. But what we've got instead is this kind of uh, audience that kind of interested in what we're doing next, and it's a smaller audience. But uh, people talk about this thing about you know success, and I remember when we you know starting in the, the days of punk rock we, we we were ambitious we used to talk about making it when we make it we're going to make it and sure. what you mean when you when you say that as a young musician what you really mean is you're going to make a living from it that's the big line if you can make a living from it and not have a shit day job that you hate and you can make a living from the music playing the music you love that's the big line and we were very lucky enough to cross that in 1984. And uh, and that's it. After that, it really doesn't matter. You know, last time I looked in my fridge, there was food in it. You know, I don't care. You well, know, on to the next. Well, you know, it's much more. I've got a really good idea. I've got an idea for the next one. Oh, I've really got an idea for that song. Oh, I've got an idea. I've got an idea. It's That's kind of how we started. And And people sometimes say to me, you know, you've been doing this forty three years, and um, and what's what's how's it changed? But at the base level, you know, when you first start, you get in a room with a bunch of people, and you make a noise that you collectively love, and you collectively you're proud of it. It's your noise, and it's a great feeling. Forty three years later, it's basically the same process. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think of you, and these these are compliments. Uh, the way that you make music that has sing-along choruses and relatable lyrics, but at the same time is counterculture, it's not trying to appease to the mainstream. It's to me like Devo or New Order, where it's accidentally sing-along music. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I grew up listening. To my, you know, my first love was Motown, so I'm, I'm, I'm quite. I like the idea of sing-along choruses. Um, I, I, quite, I still believe in the three, four minute song with the sing-along chorus. I, I still think it's a, a strong thing. But uh, we've also written some things that don't quite fit into that. But I do think it's an interesting, you know, what you can get in three, four minutes. Hmm. Well, are we American fans going to see a tour of New Model Army anytime about, in the next few years? It's about fucking time. We are we talk about it and talk about it and talk about it and people American stuff the problem is 
um, that really that by the time you pay for visas, which are incredibly expensive, sure. because of the partly because of the process, um, plus flights, plus hotels, plus transportation, plus backline, plus everything else, you know, it's how much money are you prepared to lose? <laughs> it's a question of that, really. And but uh, I, I, I'm sure that well, I can't promise, but I mean, we are, you know, we are definitely looking at it, definitely, hopefully this year, if not next year. Right. I mean, there's the two contours. About bloody time. Sorry? There's the two contours that an acclaimed British band will do. They're the ones where they only go to the cities where British people live. So they go to New York, Boston, Philadelphia, Los Angeles, San Francisco. Or you have the Roxy music playing way too many cities where you never got radio play in and hope that the 50 cities cross collateralize into a big tour. I think there's one, there's two ways to do America. One is get in a van and drive and drive and drive. And once you finish that tour, go another part of America that you haven't done, do that. And then keep driving and keep driving, keep driving. Um, and lots of British bands are trying to do that. Um, some, been, some have been successful, famously the police. But, but there are two things with that. One is that it's the sort of thing you do when you're young. Um, uh, you know, how how many people, you know, how, how many weeks do I want to sit in the back of a van? Mm. Yeah. Um, but, or the other way is to have big corporate money behind you. So we, and we don't have that. So I never will have, never had. Uh, and the other thing is that if you spend weeks and where you 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 know you play you you spend weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks with when do you write songs? You're so tired and and you know you've got to uh, and then there is a there is a, there is the rest of the world. It does seem strange though. We're going to we're definitely going to South America this year, and hmm. um, it seems to be much easier. Yeah. So what I'm learning here is. New model army is not slowing down anytime soon. You have more songs in you. You have more tours in you. And so we, the fans, will continue to be rewarded with greatness. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah, I mean, I I, I do feel that the people in states of faith over years and years and years, and we we did have a a, a few years when we came quite a lot, but um, you know, we haven't been for thirteen years now. And uh, you know they've kept the faith, and they go on buying records, and they write us letters and and stuff, and we feel owe it. Like I said, it's a question of how much money do you want to lose. <laughs> I, I know I would, you know. Well, I, I have two more questions for you, and I don't know if they're going to get long answers or no. Uh, are you ready? Yeah. Okay. First one is. All we know about you is the music. We know about new model army. Hey, there's a new album. There's a new tour. You keep up on your news and your politics and you laugh at it and mock it and all that. But what's your hobby away from the music, away from the touring? Because you're kind of still a mystery all these years later. I 
it's interesting in, the, in these days of social media, we're always told how we need to have a presence out there. We need to have content. You need to, you need, you know, the day social media now, you don't really need the press and, and stuff. What you should do is put little snippets of rehearsals and send <laughs> messages from the road and backstage clips and, and, uh, you know that and 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 tell a little bit about your private lives and things. We're not those kind of people. There's something about what we do that is very. We we t- we say how we work, but we're not going to show people how we work. I. I think with I think there's, I think it's okay. I mean, you know, yes, we could be more successful if we did this, this, this. People have been telling us that forever. You know, if you did that and that and that, you'd be more successful. We're thinking, yeah, but we wouldn't be us. Um, so, you know, away from the band, I I have a a life like everybody does. There's nobody's business. <laughs> well, I didn't know if you were into anything dumb. In other words, if you turned out to be a really oh, big... Oh, like model railways or something. No, nothing really like that. I haven't got some other kind of passion. People, you know, stuff that's interesting, you know, of which, of which world is so uh, everything interests me, particularly nature and of which people are a part. Got it. So then my last question here is we learn over time that AR people and record labels often try and force bands into trends where they say, okay, metal is big right now, do a metal thing. Grunge is big, do a grunge thing. What were some of the directions that people tried to push New Model Army and that you went, no? Because let's face it, you're still an interesting band that sounds like I, yourselves. I, I do remember I do remember a few moments going back quite a long way where at the end of the 80s, we, we did a couple of albums. We did Thunder Constellation and, and Impurity where we we were always interested in folk melodies rather than blues melodies. You know, a lot of rock music is based on blues melodies. But myself yes. and Robert, main writers, we both kind of really like more into folk melodies. Um, obviously, there's lots of blues in there. Um, there's lots of Motown in there, but people don't realise because they're not looking for it. Um, and... Uh, and I remember there were then, in the wake of, I guess primarily the Pogues, but certainly us, there was this massive wave of bands in the early 90s in Britain with violins playing a kind of folk rock. And we were kind of at the forefront of it. And we just went, we could see a kind of folk rock cul-de-sac coming. We were kind of bored of it. And uh, and so we went off and did Love of Hopeless Causes with Nika Bolas and, and Bob Clem out and mixed it. And it's a kind of American sounding, slightly American sounding rock album. And it's not got any violin and it's got not got any of that stuff in it at all. And everybody went, what are you doing? You found yourself a niche and now you've gone completely the other way. And we're going, are we? And again, we didn't really think about it. It wasn't deliberate. It was just where we went. And I do remember in that period that that a number of bands in Britain did, you know, they, they were sort of 
uh, cult bands or niche bands or whatever you call bands like us, middle-sized bands, and they would do a cover version of a famous song, and that yeah. would get them played on the radio. So I remember this guy from EMI used to come down and said, have you thought about doing, you know, recording a cover version? And we went, uh, no, not really. We've got too many of our own songs. We play cover versions live very occasionally for fun. Sure. But recording one in order to get on the oh, fuck that. No. Um, so, you know, going back to the one of the first things you told me, that is one of the reasons why you're you, that you're at the level you're at, that 40 years later we still go, what's Justin going to do next? It's it's not going to – what are we going to tell him to do? He's going to do the exact opposite of it and still going to be pretty interesting. Uh a little bit. I mean, I, you know, like I say, we're not trying to please other people. We're pr primarily trying to please ourselves. Please maybe the wrong word. You know, and every album we do is kind of a little bit of a reaction against the previous one. Yeah. You know, with From Here, we 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 deliberately wanted to take a step out of you know, Brexit and Trump and, and, and everything. And we went to this uh, Norwegian island. Um, we were going to make an album that was really big, beautiful, and bleak, and the landscape. And uh, and then we did. Um, and then this time, partly because of that, partly because of, we also did the symphonic project where we where we yes. did this show with an orchestra, came out pretty well. Um, we all, and partly we became a four piece. And we played the anniversary shows, the forty, the delayed anniversary tour, where we were playing quite a lot of old material, um, uh, you know, just for the sake of it, really. And we kind of really liked being a four-piece, you know, the the simplicity of it. Outro cast. <laughs>